All right. Hello and welcome, Just a Family. This is giving you something to talk about, Just a Live TV, as I like to call it. Today, we are talking about how do you inspire others? And this is going to be a great topic. So tune in, get involved in the conversation. If you want to leave us a message or chat with us live, feel free to do so. If we are on the replay, make comment then or send us a message. Any way that you want to get involved, please, please do so. Um, today's episode has been sponsored by the Women Supporting Women Network. If you are a woman whose mission is to help other women feel supported, teach them, inspire them, them. Join us at uh, Women Supporting Women Can Network. Join the Facebook group. Um, or if you're a woman who's looking for support, go and join that Facebook group and get involved. All right. I am Melissa Kretschler. I'm your host. And I'm going to hand it off to Aaron to introduce themselves. Aaron, would you like to say hello? Good. Thank you, Melissa, so much. I would like to introduce myself. My name is Aaron Bossig. I am a sci-fi writer and the host of the Hungry Trilobite podcast. And I am really, really excited to be here because the idea of inspiring others is something that really puts me on the internet every single day. So you have a podcast and normally I don't get into this, but you have a podcast and you said that, um, and one of the reasons we're doing this episode is because you like to inspire people who are maybe three steps behind you. So did you want to share a little bit about that? Yeah, because one of the things that I look at, and I have a lot of friends who are creatives, and I, I live and breathe creativity. Uh, it's something that just fascinates me day in and day out. And I realized that people are, they're just getting started. They're just picking up a pen or a brush for the first time. And then there are people who it seems like they've been around forever that you know, the, the Spielbergs and the Elton Johns of the world. And you always look at this pe these people and you're like, how do I get from where I am to where I, I could be? And sometimes it just seems like an incredibly daunting task. And then you just have to realize that success is a spectrum. It is a journey. It's not you're here and you want to be there. It's where are you now and, and where can you go? And maybe who can you look at for inspiration to get there? Yeah. And you know what? Even just enjoying the journey. A lot of people don't realize this, but the end result isn't the fun part. The, mm -hmm. the, the fun part is getting there. It's learning, it's growing, it's failing, it's succeeding. It's, it's getting all the in-between nitty gritty stuff that maybe you wouldn't experience if you didn't try. If you look at the Spielbergs and even, um, who was it? Sylvester Stallone, I believe was Rocky Balboa in mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the series. So if you hear about his story, Jim Carrey, there are so many amazing people in, in, the world who are inspirational, creative people who have interesting, very detailed, very traumatic stories. Oprah Winfrey. Um, I wanted to emulate Oprah Winfrey when it came to, you know, the Just Alive, because, you know, every episode that she did was was so transformational. And that's that was my inspiration. But her backstory is just riddled with trauma. So if you're somewhere where you're feeling trauma and you're feeling stress and you feel like it is very daunting situation it doesn't have to be Jim Carrey wrote himself a hundred thousand dollar check and said I will be able to cash this um uh Sylvester Stallone had to give away his dog he was homeless on the street and then finally after years got somebody to you know produce and and create Rocky Balboa so we all have those those inspirational stories those you know, triumph over, over the struggle, right? And, and being able to say, I was there, or I've been there, or I understand it can get better. 
But inspiration is thrown around a lot lately. And I think that some people don't understand that inspiring somebody to do something isn't doing it your way or through your beliefs. We're all unique individuals. So to tell somebody, oh, you have to do it this way or it has to be this way, that's that's not how inspiration works. No, it isn't. And a lot of people, like I said, they do get that mixed up. They realize that giving somebody a recipe for how they got there isn't necessarily going to get them any farther. What you have to do is give them the the, the advice to avoid the pitfalls that you might be able to see, but also to be able to say, you can do this your way. You can make set your own goals and, and I can respect the goals you set, but I don't have to necessarily give you a, a recipe for success. Um, you said you talked about Oprah Winfrey and how you looked at her. Now, Oprah is one of the, the mega stars of our last century, really. I mean, for somebody that went from, like you said, a tragic start to one of the most successful women on the planet, I mean, that, that, that is the upper echelon of, of success, but there's probably somebody else in your life who said, you know, why don't you start this online streaming show? Why don't you uh, work on just talking with your own network and seeing what you can grow there? Somebody might've been a couple steps closer to where you were that maybe gave you the, the push forward. Yep, absolutely. I can't tell you off the top of my head who that was right now. Yes. Okay. Um, like most people, uh, like most creatives, I've created a ton of stuff in the last 10 years. Um, and, you know, I have seven businesses at this point. I am multi-passionate and multi-creative. And I think I've always just been the type of person to do that, though. So for me, I'm I'm lucky um, in my own right, because I do have that innate ability to just say, screw it, I'm going to do it, mm -hmm. <laughs> regardless, regardless of what everybody else says. But I've worked with coaches. I've worked with entrepreneurs. I've worked with a lot of people, uh, mentors and and people to help guide me along the way. One thing I can say as a mentee or as somebody who who's had that help you're not always going to find what you want from the people that you work with. Sometimes you're going to find what you don't want. And in essence, that's really more of a transformational journey than anything else. Working with somebody or, or taking the steps, even if it's just yourself, if you try something and it doesn't work or it fails the first time around, it teaches you what not to do. It teaches you what you don't like. So I always tell people, when you don't like something, that's actually the greatest growth because it says, hey, something's got to change. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you're able to do seven different gigs at once and, and build your life that way, I think is, is an amazing growth in and of itself because, you know, in people that led up to our generation, our grandparents and our great grandparents were always taught that you find that thing that you're good at and you stick with that for life. And that is your, your security in life is that you can do that one thing. And I don't think that's the way the world works now. And I don't think it's worked that way for a while. And we're just starting to realize that, that you might as well at least try that thing that you really do want to do, because it may be one of the things that actually sticks. Yeah. And look at uh professional, I can't talk professional athletes. Um, so we're really big into hockey. I'm Canadian. <laughs> and of course, there's three Canadian teams in the playoffs right now. So that's all we're watching. Um, I'm, you know, I grew up with three older brothers, so I'm very much into wrestling. And so you look at WWE, you look at uh, the NHL, and you look at, uh, you know, even football players. And all of these people have something that they're really good at, which happens to be sports. But at the same time, 
sports are a very limited amount of time. Um, so you're not going to, you will spend a good majority of your life playing sports, but there's, there's kind of a time limit on there. Um, normally you're not going to be 50, 60, 70 playing sports, right? Um, if something happens and you have a traumatic injury where you can't play anymore, uh, one of my team's players, uh, injured his knee, um, or in the knee area that could be a career ending injury. Now, if he's into something else on top of that, right, so being multi-passionate myself, if that doesn't work out long term, he still has something. I know that the Bella Twins, which are very, uh, very big in WWE, um, Nikki Bella is actually, um, or Nikki Garcia is actually a realtor um, on as well, right? You see a lot of athletes becoming musicians and um, movie stars, so it's not always going to be that one thing, but making sure that you're feeding that one thing. Absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree with that because I love to color. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can't, I can't draw worth anything, but I love to color. And because I love to color and I like to do that kind of work, I'm now doing graphic designs for my seventh business. Um, because I kept that going. I, I tried something, I continued it and I, I enjoyed doing it. So knowing that we aren't just one thing, right? Um, Aaron, for, for you, you're, you know, you like Star Trek, you do podcasts, you're, you're very multi-passionate as well, right? So it's I, finding multiple things that you enjoy doing. And where I'm going with this is it always comes back to us as individuals. What do I like? What do I enjoy doing? Our generation or even the generation before us kept telling us, well, you have to be a doctor, or you have to be a dentist, or you have to be a lawyer, there are people drowning in those careers because they don't like them and they're not playing their music. They're not, you know, doing their artistry. They're not doing the things that they want to do. So my greatest inspiration for people is to, you know, be true to yourself, figure out who you are and live your life your way for yourself. And I can't tell you how many times I've spoken to somebody who found something that they really, really enjoyed only after being told that they couldn't combine that with, with something else. Like, you know, how many times growing up did somebody say, well, you can never make a living playing video games. Well, now people do that exactly. And I'm not necessarily advocating that that should be your life goal, but to tell somebody they can't do that when you might not even conceive of how it's possible, that's more of a you problem. You're, you're, you're trying to, you're taking upon yourself to take an option off of somebody else's plate. And how messed up is that? Yep. Yep. You and I in the pre-screening, we're talking about something similar to that is, so I'm, I like Star Wars, Aaron likes Star Trek. And one of the things that happens, especially with very fantasy-like um, genres, so I play Magic the Gathering. Um, so I, I am into a bunch of fantasy, fantasy um, genres. With those, it's interpretation, right? Um, mm -hmm. Art is an interpretation. So you sit there and you say, okay, well, I think that this play line or this way of thinking or this perspective about a certain topic or a certain genre or a certain situation is the right way. And I think that one of the things that we get caught up in is telling other people that our way is the right way. And their way is not. And I think that goes hand in hand with our joys. So with our artistic capabilities, our interests, um, 
we shouldn't be telling people that their way is wrong or that their way is not the right way because it it bothers us. It wasn't that long ago that if you used a computer to create a, a graphic design, you were cheating. Mm-hmm. That that was just you you were not learning the skills properly. And now to make any design without the use of a computer at all is unusual. I'm not gonna say it's bad, but you wouldn't go up to a graphic designer and say, hey, can you make this logo of this hamburger? But you have to use only crayons and pastels. It's it would just be a weird request. Mm-hmm. And that, that happened because somebody just said, hey. This is a new thing. It has its place in the world. Let's let people try it out and see where it lands. Mm-hmm. I talked to somebody recently who said that the graphic artists, like online graphic artists, aren't actually artists. And that's it's becoming um, an issue in the artist industry. And he, of course, supports graphic artists and said, you know, graphics are, are anything. They can be on paper. They can be on online they can be wherever you want them to be right how many different variations do we have you have people who paint with watercolor you have paint with acrylics you have spray paint you there there there's so many different options pencil crayon uh markers we have unlimited options and yet all of them are artists no matter what your canvas is or what your uh platform of using it or creating your artwork you're still an artist just in a different in in a different way and don't underestimate the ability to create a new way yourself mm-hmm. you you might have that in you and there's no reason not to try exactly so um inspiration so what is inspiration i think we've kind of covered that for the most part is inspiring others is being able to inspire others to follow their passions to create their own dreams their own goals and just really enjoy whatever journey they're on individually um, and being able to encourage that. And we talked about uh, being into the fantasy worlds and, and different fandoms. And we talked about how when we're trying to inspire somebody, a lot of times we're trying to build on our life experience. We're offering our life experience to them as a way of trying to push them forward. Sometimes those fantasy stories are just a shared life experience that might not have actually happened, but we all understand what it means. When, when we see the the fellowship, the, the journey from Lord of the Rings, and we understand those people getting together for a common goal, that's something that we can hook into and say, that's what I want for myself. Even if it's, you know, a fantasy story, it's a real goal. It's a real motivation. Yeah. Find your people, create your tribe, right? Find your support systems. That's what that taught us, right? We and nobody's ever on a journey truly alone. There, there are people around who are willing to help you, willing to support you, whether that is just inspiring you or picking you up, being your cheerleader in the background, going, You got this, right? Um, sometimes it's people saying, Hey, do you really want to do that? Right. And if somebody says to you, Hey, do you really want to do that? You have two choices. You can say, Yeah, I really do right? You can use that question as inspiration. Do you really want to do this? I've, I don't know how many times I've asked that myself that in my business, right? Creating seven businesses is not easy. Running it with four children and six cats and a husband who's the equivalent of a child, um, love you, <laughs> um, is not easy. 
But when I ask myself during the hard times, especially during the hard times of of creating the platforms that I've created is, do you really want this? Is this really something you want? And instead of using that as a scapegoat to say, you know what, maybe not, or letting the doubt creep in, it was, yeah, this matters to me enough to keep going regardless. And when you have those moments where somebody says to you, hey, this is going to be a challenge you can back off. That's okay. Because you only have so much time on this earth and you have to choose what you're going to do. But if you decide to go for it, you really need to answer that, that uh, objection they might've had or that concern they've raised and say, okay, yeah, this is going to be hard, but I'm going to work harder. I'm going to get better help. I'm going to practice. I'm going to hone the craft. It's not going to be easy, whatever you do. I'm not saying it will be. But when people are bringing these objections, that is your chance. It's almost like they're shining a light down for the obstacles you might face. And it's giving you the opportunity to say, I'm going to see those obstacles before they come up. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think not enough people do that. Not enough people take that and say, you know what, I'm going to run with it. And I'm going to come to that bridge. And when I get to that bridge, that's when I'm going to you know, check out all my options. Maybe it's not going to be as hard as I thought it would be. Maybe it, maybe something else comes up that I didn't think of. Your 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 ability, and I think that people, you. I'm just going to restart that. Your ability to create whatever it is that you're wanting to create is limitless. We might think that we have limitations. We might actually have physical or mental or emotional limitations. That doesn't mean we can't achieve the outcome. We just have to look at it a different way. And when people get emotionally overwhelmed with feeling down, with feeling in the dumpster or, you know, whatever emotion is coming up with them in that situation, you don't see all of the opportunities and the possibilities of you to be able to still create that goal, maybe just in a different way. And I think we need to start giving ourselves forgiveness and grace when maybe it doesn't work out the way we thought it would, or maybe we, you know, do let it go, right? When we, when you ask yourself, do you really want to do this? If your answer is no, that's okay. You need to give yourself that forgiveness and say, you know what, I'm going to go after something else, something that really works for me today. I just like, as an example, I love old video games. I play video games a lot, but I have a special preference for the ones that were in style when I was between, like, let's say, 8 and 15. Um, and I really have given a lot of thought into making my own video games for, like, the Game Boy and Sega Genesis. I could do it. I have the technical know-how to at least conceptually put it together. But I ask myself, when it comes to the time it would take to invest into doing it well, to put out something that I would want to share with the world that I would want to put my name on the time it would take me to do that is time that I'm going to take away from writing, from traveling, from putting together events. Like I said, you only have so much time and I, as much as I want to do that, as much as that is a passion there, I see other passions taking over for that. I see other passions taking place and that's okay. I'm making that decision. Nobody made it for me. I make that decision. Yep. And something that may take you a lot of time, you can break that up, right? Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure if it's something that you really wanted to do long term, you could, I, I talked to somebody the other day who it took them 10 years to write their story. Mm -hmm. um, and you know what, you don't have to work on it all at once. When I wrote my first book, I wrote it in seven hours, sat down, wrote it, I ignored the world and I wrote the book. 
But my next books, they're not working that way. It's a few sentences here and there, whether it takes me a year or five years to write them, then that's what's going to happen. But I'm still doing it. It's just not my today priority. And I think that's that's another thing people need to focus on is what's your priority today? What is what what are you prioritizing today? And if it's not today, do you want to prioritize it tomorrow? If not, then that's okay. But make sure that you're prioritizing living in the moment because that's that's I think one of our biggest downfalls as a society is we're not living right here, right now in the moment and saying, who am I today? What do I want today? What is going to make me happy today? And how can I inspire myself today? That's really big. Living in the moment and, and especially saying the, the alternative being to say, well, what would I want tomorrow? What will make me happy tomorrow? Because it's always this thing that you can't have today. It's always this thing that you feel you have to deny yourself today. And that's that's not a recipe for long-term success. It's not a recipe for being satisfied with your life because you're always saying, I need I need the promotion. I need the bigger house. I need to, to win the lottery. It's always this thing that's just beyond your reach. Whereas if you look at your life now and say, I can write that book now. Even if I, it's not on the shelf, I can write it right now. I can I can call that friend right now. I can I can bake that cake right now. Sometimes understanding that right now is important. It takes a weight off your shoulders. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite topics is uh, I'll be happy when. Um, that's non-sustainable. That that mm-hmm. means you're you're not going to be happy. Um, if you can't find a way to be happy today before you achieve that goal, before you get to that weight loss or that perfect job or creating that program, whatever that looks like, that's not going to make you happy. If you're not happy today and you're not happy with where you are, you need to figure out why and you need to make that a priority because when you get to that goal, right, it's, let's say, so I'm overweight. So let's say my goal is to lose 60 pounds and I'm going to be happy when I lose the 60 pounds. You know, I'm going to get to that 60 pounds and I'm going to be like, okay, what next? Mm-hmm. Right. What, what do I want to change next? What am I not happy with now? I'm always going to find something that I'm not happy with. Right. I am 60 pounds overweight. And I'm happy. I feel good. I, you know, I looked in the mirror. I put makeup on today. I haven't worn makeup in probably like three years. And I put makeup on today. And I messaged my husband and I said, I feel like an idiot because I never wear makeup. And he said, no, you look really good. And I'm like, I do. But when I look in the mirror, when I'm not wearing makeup, I love what I see regardless, right? I might not like the the fact that I have rosacea or that my teeth aren't perfectly white but I love myself. I don't have to, I don't have to, I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to like everything, but I need to love who I am and where I'm at. And, uh, you know, um, my goal is to leave a legacy. I want to be the next Freud, the next Oprah Winfrey. I'm going to be that. Whether it takes me five, 10, 15 years to get there, that's where I'm going. That's my big goal, but I'm going to love the journey on my way there. So when you achieve that, when you when you have that legacy, what do you see people saying about you when you're done? Not necessarily when you're no longer with us, but when you you made that big accomplishment and people say, "Man, I'm really glad she did that." I want I want it to be life changing. 
Um, the stuff that I have coming out that that is the purpose, I already know where this like what I've created for this legacy, it's getting it out there that I haven't done yet. Um, it, it's life changing, it's going to revolutionize the mental and emotional health, it's going to revolutionize how people see their lives and how they create that happiness. It's not external, it's internal. And it's teaching people how to control their emotions, be their own rock star, and internalize their happiness and say, I got this, I can do this, I'm happy now, um, you know, and again, I can be happy with the extra 60 pounds, do I like it? No, but, you know, if I choose to change that, I'm going to enjoy that process, but I'm going to love myself through the whole thing, and it's teaching people how to do that. If you say, you'll be happy when you lose the 60 pounds, that's almost the same thing as your parents saying to you, there's no way you can play video games for a living. You are just setting up your own obstacle and it's a completely arbitrary obstacle to keep you from just enjoying your life. And I mean, I, sometimes I don't even like to use the word happy because happy implies a certain mood, which we're not always that mood, but just to be satisfied with the life you have and to know that the only one holding you back is you. Yeah. It, it creeps my husband out. And I'm glad you said that because I'm going to explain this to people is so I'm I'm part of the spiritual community as well and uh we talk about high vibrational and high vibe and you know being positivity and it's toxic I'm gonna let everybody know that's toxic my husband will come home I'm just I'm relaxed I'm I have no mood I'm literally just relaxed I'm centered I'm going through the motions during the day um but I'm not smiling. I'm not frowning. I'm literally just existing. And so, and you know, that's the default for most of us is just existing and existing doesn't mean you're unhappy. You're not happy. You're not unhappy. You don't have to be bubbly. And it's like, Hey, you know, I'm not in a bad mood. I'm not in, you know, like a hyper mood. I'm just, I'm good. And I don't need to outwardly express that. And I call that being centered when you're centered you're not affected by the the rest of the world as as you would be you're not triggered you're not um you're relaxed i've used the word serenity a lot how do you feel that compares to centered absolutely absolutely and it's just it you know it's, it's being i'm not going to say happy because that's not the right word for it being serene um and it's it's kind of just like a, a mellow and when I say centered, so that center line is really what I'm what I'm getting at. You have that line of unhappiness, of you know, just really heavy emotions that brings you down. And then you have that upper line of the happiness sphere, right? Where you're feeling joy and you're feeling gratitude and you're feeling, you know, upbeat. And one of them is really draining, and one of them is just kind of okay, you're good, right? Um but that centered line is kind of just where we sit most of the time. Have you ever noticed, uh, anybody watching the replay or you yourself, Aaron, where you can be having a conversation with somebody and you're smiling and you're you're very animated. And then all of a sudden you just, right? Like you just, it, it's, it's almost like your body just relaxes mm -hmm. and, and you're at rest. And I think that People don't understand that that at rest is really where we are all the time, unless we're being animated, right? I love this conversation. So I'm upbeat and very animated and my arms are flaring and 
and I'm smiling and it's because I'm upbeat, but that's not me 24 seven. It occurred to me a couple of days ago, almost why some things are, are used as metaphors and uh, in particular, walking on the shoreline. Because, you know, people have this image of the waves coming in and crashing against the rocks. And that's always seen as being a very relaxing place to be. And I like it myself. I mean, I, I visit the shores as often as I can. And I always just take long, long walks there just to clear my head. And I started to realize that this, this, the waves, it's a very violent action if you're on the right place. It, it creates the rocks, it splatters everywhere. Why is this so relaxing? Why does this make you feel calm? And then I, it clicked with me that it's like when you realize that so much of the drama and conflict in our lives is just going to keep happening whether you do anything or not. And you can be calm looking at those waves, realizing those waves are going to keep coming to that rock whether you're watching them or not. So just be. Don't give your don't task yourself with fixing the wave. It's still going to be there. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, we have three guarantees in life. First, taxes. <laughs> That's an obvious guarantee. Um, taxes, death, and negativity. And people don't realize that that negativity is one of our greatest strengths. It teaches us how to be strong. It teaches us to be resilient. It teaches us to be in the moment, how to appreciate ourselves and other people, um, appreciate our situations. Um, and they, a lot of people think that that's just this negative thing. When you become secure in who you are and really just mature in your mental health and your emotional health and well-being, and you get to that centered kind of serene place, it doesn't affect you as much. Those waves don't, you become like the rock where it hits you. And you feel it and you're kind of like, okay, what does this mean now? Um, but it doesn't push you over. It doesn't, it doesn't break your stride. It doesn't nothing. It just, it's a part of life and it just keeps going. That rock, you know, it may erode in time. And, you know, if you're constantly being battered with the same wave every day, then you're not learning your lesson, first of all. <laughs> and second of all, um, we have the ability to move where that rock does. So mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it, I, being able to ride those waves and go, wee while we're going through it, um, is being able to find the happiness in your everyday. And again, that's, I think that's one of the most inspired things I can tell people is find yourself, find your inspiration and find your happiness today. I couldn't agree more. And when you're, you're seeing that and you're, you're realizing that, you're going to constantly have those, those, those waves coming out. You're always going to have conflict, but you still have just because you can't make things better today, just because you can't make the change today. Doesn't mean you can't make the change. You, we have that in you. You just have to realize that as you make those changes, the waves are still going to keep coming. And the fact that doesn't make you a failure. Yep. Um, my 13 going on 14 year old daughter and I were having a discussion the other day and I was trying to explain to her, She's having issues with a couple of her classmates and it's been ongoing all year and there's two months left in school and I understand where the school's coming from. There's only two months left in school, um, but she's 13. She doesn't understand it. She doesn't, she doesn't get it. She's being harassed and she's harassing and, and it's just this constant cycle. And I said to her the other day, I said, honey, like, is she going to matter? Are these people going to matter in two months? 
are they going to matter? You're not going to be with them every day. You're not going to see them every day. You're going to have an entire summer to yourself. They're bugging you right now. You're giving them your power because you're allowing them to get to you. He said, are they going to matter two months from now? The situations we find ourselves in, they're valuable, but are they going to matter? And if they do matter, is it going to be in a negative way? Are you going to take that lesson and say, you know, this matters only because I'm going to take the strength from it. Never again will I be bullied. Never again will I be put in a situation like that. That's what those those messages teach us. And when we learn that and we get to that point, it's like this isn't going to matter tomorrow. It matters. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I I really feel for your daughter's situation because I just know that at that age, and I honestly, it, it doesn't really end there, but you really just can't grasp that what's bothering you now may not be something that bothers you in six months or a year. And and honestly, I'm 41 now, and I, I can't promise that what's bothering me now is going to bother me when I'm 43. But it's it's just that feeling that what what's most important now is eternal. And yet when I was 13, thinking I was the exact same age, I had a situation with somebody wasn't all that important in the grand scheme of things, but it really bothered me at the time. And my grandfather just looked at me and said, you're going to be dealing with people like this all your life. Almost the part he didn't say was just get used to it because you're better than that. And he was right. I still deal with those people. I still deal with those problems, but I realize it doesn't have to define me. It doesn't have to limit me. I got to deal with it. I try to be the best person I can be while I'm dealing with it, but you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't, it's not going to change my life, what they do to me. Mm -hmm. And one of my legacy lessons, <laughs> let's start calling them that. One of my legacy lessons is when you, when somebody has an issue with you, it has nothing to do with you and everything to do with them. If the world in, in, as a whole could learn that what you feel and what I feel are two completely different things. What you see and what I see are two completely different things. Neither one of us is wrong. Neither one of us is right. We're right for ourselves. And if we took more initiative to pay attention to how we think, how we feel, how our lives are going, rather than bullying and taking it out on other people and you know allowing people to take our power, we wouldn't have those issues, right? Um, and emotional and mental health as a 13 year old or even just preteens, um, that's a really hard time for kids and adults. We forget that. We mm -hmm. forget that that's a pivotal age. You're learning who you are. You're going through puberty. You're trying to figure out life and you think you know it all because you're gaining some traction. But in reality, you're learning what everybody else is trying to tell you instead of what you need to learn. And it's helpful sometimes to look at some fiction that's aimed at kids in that age group because it's enlightening. You, you really start to step back and, and stop taking yourself so seriously as an adult because you, you look at what they're going through and what they're thinking and you realize that, okay, you look at this and, wow, this boy didn't like you or this teacher was mean to you. And you look at this and say, this is nonsense these are problems that won't matter to you but you can't you lose sight of the fact that this is their world this is everything happening to them and it is so important partially because they never dealt with it before but partially because 
they know they've got to figure it out on their own. All the advice they're getting from all the adults in the world doesn't sink in because they don't they don't trust it. They have to figure it out on their own. It's the only way they can know the experience for themselves. Yep. And that's where we've gotten. Um, as adult, I don't know how many adults I've worked with, male and female, non-binary, doesn't matter, that I've worked with whose mental health and emotional health are absolutely shattered because of their experiences growing up. Think of what your kids are going through as adults. Again, come from the perspective that my daughter is not going to have the same experience as I did. And even if she did, my oldest, who's 21, had similar experiences to, to me growing up. But they were completely different for him because he's a different person. He's not going to think the way I do. He's not going to experience the way I do. You can have twin brothers who come from an abusive alcoholic home the same experiences, one becomes a raging alcoholic and one never touches a drink in their life. Two completely different people having different perspectives of the same event. Um, so our kids aren't us. They're not going to think like us. Excuse me. And no matter how much we tell them, do it this way. You're right. They have to figure it out on their own. And if we learn how to guide them, and encourage them and make them feel like they have control. One of, one of my biggest fights with my daughter right now is you're fighting with me over you, yet you've got the control. You're grounded because you didn't do your chores. You chose not to do them, right? And it's it's getting them to understand that their life is their choice, their capabilities are their choice, you know, and taking accountability and responsibility for where that comes. And as adults, we have to make that happen. Um, move kids out of the conversation as human beings we need to take accountability for what we think and we need to take responsibility for what we do and until we do that it's the world against us it's the concept was introduced to me a couple weeks ago uh somebody illustrated that if you're considering a, a change in careers you may be having what they're called they call the golden handcuffs which is where you get so comfortable with where you are now because you really like to pay or you like the hours or the benefits are there or the commute is just right, but you, you still want the change. You feel like you're handcuffed to, to the position you're at now. And maybe you are. Maybe it's not the right move, but you at all times have to understand that you're the one making that choice. You have the key to the handcuffs. You can choose to keep them on if that truly is the best thing for you. But that choice is yours and never let's lose sight of that. Yep, absolutely. Um, and that's why I created my smarter method is because we need to figure out how to how to create our lives happy and healthy, right? Um, what you're talking about is that need to make a change. I call those life crises. You know, they call midlife crisis. Um, I don't believe in midlife crisis. I think it's a life crisis no matter what stage or age you're at. Um, what it what it is is you've done something for so long that it becomes your normal and when you start to resent or not like that normal because you're not happy that's when that life crisis comes up my husband just had one um, or is having one he just is starting a new career and you know what it was the best move for him because he was not happy any longer where he's at and needed to make that choice um so if you're going through a life crisis, know that, you know, it's okay. You're not alone. 
uh, whether it's empty nest syndrome that's creating a life crisis, retirement, um, a switch in careers, or you know, becoming an adult, <laughs> whatever, whatever that looks like, you're not alone. Um, find people to inspire you um, to really just create a life that you love. And again, that's you're the one that's got to decide for you. And even the people you love the most can't necessarily make that call for you. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we get going, Aaron? I just that I'm really, really glad to have this conversation and, and I really value everything you put into it. Thank you. This has to be one of my favorite episodes of the season. So I'm going to, I'm going to say thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your knowledge. I'm honored. That means a lot. Thank you. All right. Well, for anybody watching or catching the replay, please feel free to go and click the links and join Aaron on his journey. Um, if you would like to message me, of course, you know where I'm at, melissacretchler.com or just alivetv.com. We're always looking for guest speakers, bloggers, sponsors, and topics. So if you have a topic you want to see on our show, get involved, join the conversation, and become a just a family because that's what we all are, is just a family. Um, All right, sponsor today, Women Supporting Women Can Network. Go and check that out if you are a woman who wants to inspire other women or if you are a woman looking for inspiration. So go and join that group, Facebook link in the description. Uh, Lots of love to you all. Again, I hope you all have a wonderful afternoon, morning, or evening, depending on when or where you're watching. Uh, Erin, thank you again so much, and I will talk to you all later. Bye.